Welcome everybody into another pod. We're going to be recapping the West Virginia win um, that happened on Saturday as well, going around the Big 12, doing some volleyball and women's basketball as well. But first, John, how are you? I am doing not too bad. Uh, just finished just finished watching some highlights of other college football games and. You know, stuff like that, enjoying a K-State Saturday win and a women's basketball Sunday win. So, so far it's not, it's been pretty good, pretty good. For the most part, it was a pretty good weekend to be a Wildcat, for the Mm -hmm. most part. For the most part. And it was a, it was a crazy week in college football in general. I mean, you have Georgia who won barely, put up 16 points and beat Kentucky. They didn't play well. Ohio State had to sneak by Maryland. Uh, I managed to catch to the end of that game. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then you had TC, or sorry, well, did get to TCU, but you had Michigan, who had to kick a game-winning field goal to win. TCU, same deal. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on. <laughs> One of the craziest finishes we'll see in college football. And then Tennessee goes down, which kind of shakes things up for the college football playoff discussion. But, um, yeah, it was a crazy week in college football. But um, before we get to K-State West Virginia, make sure you're following us on Twitter, ShaneBlake785. Um, make sure to leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We're not going to be doing a live show on Friday. Um, I want to spend as much time as I can in Newton because I'll only be there for two days. So um, we'll release a preview show of KU on Wednesday, um, probably. So be on the lookout for that again. If you're Make sure you're following us on Twitter so you know when we release that stuff uh let's go ahead and get into this game john 48 31 the win um if you didn't watch the game um congratulations you just missed out on a lot of unnecessary stress just for a 17 point victory um mm-hmm. at least that's how i felt too this many one... visits to the cardiologist but... yeah this was one of the weirdest games uh, i've ever watched it kind of gave me like 2020 baylor vibes where you're just like you're just like what is happening I mean, we're up 14 nothing in three minutes. <laughs> we drive down the field, score a touchdown in uh, two minutes, and then a pick six, and you're like, whoa, okay. Well, I'm uh, cool. We'll just, you know, cruise the rest of the game. No, five minutes later, it's 13-14, and it's like, well, what? <laughs> With just a huge <laughs> touchdown to, uh, to Sam James, and then a Will Howard throws a pick six. It's like, what? And then the rest of the first quarter – is just complete madness. 47 points, John, in the first quarter. Both defenses were just terrible. I mean, go go ahead, John. I believe that was the highest uh, highest amount of scoring in the first quarter of any West Virginia home game in school history. Uh, I, I, I read that earlier um, on some West Virginia website. Uh, it was also one of the lo- lowest attended games as well. <laughs> Uh, in West Virginia history, I believe the lowest since 1999. It was like 37,000. Wow. Um, but you know, back to the first quarter, it was just completely chaotic. I mean, first it looked as if I mean, you you had a typical K State opening drive in which you go down the field, Deuce Vaughn gets a good good run to the end zone. Uh, I believe it was a 15 yard run, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the next thing you know, Sincere Mason gets himself a pick six. Uh, just another big defensive defensive play that results in six more for, for the Cats. And then uh, next thing you know, K-State did a great job covering uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton so much to the point that Sam James <laughs> is 
caught is caught open in coverage, kind of exposing our secondary. Uh, not once, but twice in this game. Uh, I believe twice in the first half as well. In which, I mean, he just completely uh, smoked by our smoked by uh, I, Josh Hayes at at some certain points, and uh, even Will Howard got a pick six. But nonetheless, he got he responded well. Uh, K State responded well uh, overall, especially in the second half uh, when things were kind of doom and gloom at halftime from a defensive perspective. But uh, nonetheless, it was it was a big win. It was a really big win. Yeah, it was a big win. I mean, any road any road win in the Big Twelve, you'll absolutely take. It was kind of I don't want to say it was similar to Iowa State, but and obviously it was very different score. But it's just it's a gritty road win. Um, in a different way that you just kind of you just get out of Morgantown and say, hey, we won. Let's just let's just leave with that. Kind of similar to that, but the roles are reversed. It's not a lower scoring game like it like it's not 10 to 9. All right. Uh, we saw both teams just uh, get exposed defensively and particularly for West Virginia, in which their defense has not been uh, their defense has been catastrophically bad this year. Um, Casey was just able to really dictate uh, whatever, however they wanted to, uh, however they wanted to set things up and all that. Uh, and the next thing you know, just uncharacteristically, Garrett Green and shout out to Garrett Green. He played one heck of a game. He was uh, 15 of 27, over 200 yards. Um, the two turnovers are pretty much what costed uh, him and probably West Virginia the rest of the game. But um, he had a he had a. Yeah, he had himself a good, great game as well. Uh, so um, you said it, uh, probably a game in which K-State's just happy to get out of there with a win, especially now that you're you, – all you have to do is just be Kansas. Next thing you all know, you, you, do. Arlington. you are – you finish the year 4-1 and one on the road. I don't think you could have asked for anything more than that. Yeah, I mean, that's a great – 4-1 and one on the road in the Big 12 is just just so tough. I mean, just quickly on the West Virginia side, obviously it's pretty doom and gloom for them. You're not bowl eligible. Um, mm-hmm. You fired your athletic director. Your head coach is most likely, you know, out. Um, if not now, then sometime in the future, most likely. Well, here's a the problem. They One, they don't have an athletic director at this point to give the full signal on when the firing of Neil Brown is going to happen. And two, uh, the buyout could be as much as 18 million to 20 million to get rid of Neil Brown as well. <laughs> Since, uh, I believe two years back, he signed a contract extension. So, yeah, because uh, they beat Army in the Liberty Bowl in 2020. I mean, yeah, congratulations. Army, and then you beat you lost to Minnesota in the guaranteed rape bowl last year. Oh, my <laughs> what, God. guaranteed rape bowl. That sounds like. <laughs> nightmare uh, i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell all my grandchildren about the time i won the <laughs> almighty guaranteed rape pool um but not, nonetheless um yeah doom and gloom for west virginia um i mean this could have all been avoided if shane Lyons had the guts fair flight director if he had the guts uh to get rid of neil brown at this time of the year but uh, he decided to keep him, did not decide not to spend a penny's worth on getting rid of him. Uh, and next thing you know, that just happens to cost him. Uh, that happens to cost Shane Lyons his job. Uh, and West Virginia is now searching for a new athletic director. So um, interesting times in Morgantown. I mean, you, I mean, and you're on top of that, you, there's no fan support for Neil Brown as well. Uh, just what the indications of yesterday's attendance as well. Like I said, the lo- lowest 
it was like 37,000 uh, fans. I mean, there was a photo uh, during the fourth quarter. I mean, they, you could have made the argument that there were more K-State fans uh, uh, than West Virginia fans like in that game, too. I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's just really – West Virginia is in a really, really bad situation right now. Yeah, and I think in terms of the football side, I mean, the point I was trying to go for is kind of – Garrett Green seems like the kind of guy – that a lot of the West Virginia players and the West Virginia fans want to root for and want to play around. It seems like they were playing their butt off for Garrett Green, and he played a great game, like you said. So I think he could be uh, their future. And here, and here's the thing as well: if you're putting Garrett Green in this late in the season, it kind of it kind of indicates that you're that you're flipping to next year and the possibilities of what Garrett can Garrett Green can do uh, for your offense. Um, because you get uh, because you bench JT Daniels uh, during the Oklahoma game, and next thing you know, you're bringing a Garrett Green. Uh, he's played significant so far for West Virginia, uh, and next thing you know, you keep him out out on the field. Uh, this might tell me that maybe maybe they're going to give one more shot with Garrett Green uh, uh, for another season. I'm not really sure about the their situation right now. Um, but you know, I, I'd probably rely more on Garrett Green at this point. He just has a little more fluidity uh with this offense. Uh it just been it, it was it was pretty stagnant at times under JT Daniels. Yeah, it just wasn't doing that well. And I mean you talked about how the poor crowd attendance. Um Will Howard was helping fill the seats a little bit. Obviously, he's not too far being from Pennsylvania. I think he said about 20 friends and family were there. And um, he played really, really well. I mean, 294 yards, two touchdowns, um, did throw the pick six, also got a rushing touchdown. But I think what was really cool to see, John, is after he threw the pick six, while, you know, maybe a 2020 true freshman, Will Howard, would have kind of, you know, not been able to respond. He responded really well in this game. He got some help from DJ Giddens, had a great game, led the team in rushing yards, a lot of it from that 49-yard rushing touchdown that was after the pick six, you know, Malik Knowles helping Will Howard out a lot. I think I saw, I heard a study at 77 yards after the catch, which mm-hmm. is just, I mean, that's the majority of his yards, just so dynamic in the, um, you know, out in the open field, had that 43 yard touchdown. That was mostly him just breaking the tackle and getting up the sideline. I mean that, and then we got to talk about Ben Sinnott. I mean, at this point, John, we just expect yeah. greatness from Ben Sinnott. Uh, I'm not surprised at all at, you know, three receptions, 85 yards and a tutty. That catch and that throw in the red zone, third and 14, early in the second quarter to put us up 35-19, that's an NFL throw, NFL catch. I mean, that's just unbelievable to see Will. I mean, nobody would expect Will Howard to be making these throws this time of year, but it's just it's just so amazing to watch. Um, can't wait to see what he does the rest of the season. I mean, nearly 300 yards passing. I mean, On 19 attempts, too. That's the crazy part. The way he, progr- he he's progressed at this point. <laughs> Sorry, nineteen so. completions. I made I made I flubbed a little. Nineteen completions. Uh, yeah, yeah, nineteen out of twenty-seven. But nonetheless, I mean, he is just. I I, I I'm just completely stunned by him. He's just showed up, in some of K State's possibly worst situations, and, and next thing you know. Uh, it really just clicked when when Howard connected on that pass to uh, Kate Warner. It pretty much started when Will Howard connected on that on that just incredible catch uh, to Kate Warner during the TCU game, and 
I mean, he hasn't skipped a beat since then. I mean, he had some struggles late in the contest against TCU, um, resulting in a loss. Um, but he balled out against Oklahoma State. He just went all out against Baylor. And, he, I mean, him in the wide receiver game is just, I mean, it's just catching the Big 12 by storm right now. You And in this one with West Virginia, you're dealing with a lot of elements in play with with how cold it is over there. Um, you know, at, at with that pick six, the way he had to bounce back. Um, and the wide receivers, I mean, Malik Knowles, uh, we we weren't we knew he had the possibility to play up to this uh standard at the highest um for like after the LSU game this year. And I thought he proved that yesterday. Uh, with the six re, uh, six receptions, 111 yards, and a 43-yard touchdown uh, late in the contest. I mean, Ben Sennett, I mean, jeez. <laughs> ben Sennett, like, just inject every inject all of it into my veins when it comes to Ben Sennett. Just the, the catches that he's made, uh, especially on that third down uh, touchdown completion. I don't know, what was it, like third and 15? Uh, Howard scrambles to the uh, right side and and completes it to Ben Sennett on kind of a tricky pass uh, that I was not expecting he would get, he would have gotten for a touchdown. But uh, you can't you can't overlook greatness at this point. I mean that that that's Ben Sennett right there. Uh, even Sammy Wheeler. I mean he's had he got a pretty good game and throughout the past two years he's always showed up for a West Virginia game. Uh, for whatever reason, you you want to talk about that long third down conversion he had last year. Uh, next thing you know, uh, in Morgantown, he had two receptions for 44 yards, including a 33-yard long uh, reception from Howard early on in the game as well. So um, it was a great game from the tight ends, uh, a, be- a big game uh, from Malik Knowles without a doubt. I think they had possibly one of their, one of their best games of the season. And you know what's really cool about this game, John, is we put up 48 points. We went 48 to 31 on the road. And who are we not talking about? Deuce Vaughn. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, 22 carries, 67 yards. He had a decent game. They were kind of, I mean, we were running a lot on first down, and he just had nowhere to go. But yeah. I think putting up 48 points, we're praising this offense so much, how well Will Howard, Malik Knowles, Ben Sinnott, DJ Giddens are playing. And, you know, Deuce Vaughn's still in the mix, but he wasn't the star of the show this game. And the fact we did so well offensively in spite of that, I think is a really good sign, you know, moving forward with these last uh, three games. You put up 41 points in the first half. I mean, there, there, there's no other way. And I did see this stat on Twitter, but I wanted to do. After that performance, K-State's now, K-State's now, uh, leads the Big 12 in points per drive and yardage rates. K-State now has arguably the best offense in the Big 12. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. K- uh, KSU fan put this out on Twitter uh, with some of the stats, but uh, he pointed at, he pointed out the the amount of progress and the, the stats that K-State has compared to some of the other Big 12 teams. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, we talked about how defensive-minded – uh, the, this team as in particularly coach Kleiman, but the steps this team has taken on uh, offensively and especially under Will Howard. I mean, I, I, I was not expecting this. Nobody was expecting this. I am so happy for Will Howard and for some of the members on this offense, 
because some of them were being overlooked of, uh, early on in the season. And next thing you know, we're dropping 30 point, 30 plus, 40 plus all over. I mean, this, this is the second time we're scoring 48 on a, on a big 12 team. I mean, this, it is, it's just, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. And we're talking a lot about the first half because I mean, the second half was pretty boring. There wasn't a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. A lot of punts and, you know, um, turnovers on downs. And there were a few touchdowns, but, you know, I mean, 14 points or, thir- or 13 points because West Virginia can't make a PAT or a two-point conversion um, in the second half. So all the action was pretty much in the first half. Let's go ahead and move on to that special teams, John. I mean, this is another thing that just adds to the weirdness of this game. Casey Leg on their first touchdown makes the oh extra point. Gosh. It looks really funky, but it goes in. He misses the next two PATs, <laughs> and then they go for it twice uh, on a two-point conversion, and they don't get it. So they score five touchdowns, but they put up thirty-one points. Which I mean, I've never, I've never seen that in my entire life in college football. I mean, I don't know what well, was wrong with Casey Legs. Something had to have been wrong with him. He hadn't missed a kick all season, I'm pretty sure. And to go out and do that, he missed a field goal too. Just, I mean, it was something had to have been up with him, but just so weird. Well, we did score. We did beat Oklahoma in 2014. It was 31 to 30. Uh, but anyways, I digress. I've seen I've seen about 31 points before. Uh, what I did not, not see, not coming, in that way though. I mean, you can get you can get no, you know, four no, touchdowns and a field goal, but def- definitely not that way. Um, I'm I'm trying to count up how many free points is that West Virginia left off on the board. Uh, you you missed two extra point attempts. Uh, so that's 33. Uh, and then you had a field goal that would be that'd be five would it be five or six 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 extra points left off on my board that could have been a tremendous difference uh uh in the first at, at halftime uh or in the third quarter West Virginia could have still been someone in the contest but I mean they just had too many special teams and mistakes you also had one uh one of their kicks that that went out of bounds that put K-State up at 35 as well. So um, it, it just kind of looked like uh, like an Iowa State rep, replication <laughs> because their kicking, t- kicking game was just so bad. Like, my gosh, I was laughing. <laughs> I was laughing my butt off when, they, when Neil Brown decided uh, to trust Casey Leg on, what was it, a 42-yard attempt? Uh, but he missed. He, I mean, he missed out. It wasn't even close. Uh, in case they got the ball back, I could be wrong about the amount that it was, the amount of yardage. It was forty-four. But yeah, I mean, you you get the gist. It's just I don't know what he's thinking there, given what we saw from him. Um, I mean, on our side of the ball for special teams, John, I think we got back to our special teams. U ways had some really good punt returns. Uh, from Malik Knowles, uh, getting us to like the you know the thirty and the forty. Um, and then obviously Ty Zentner got to talk about Ty Zentner two huge kicks um, before going into halftime, 46 yards. And then a 53 yarder that he just banged. Like it was nothing. I mean, West Virginia called a timeout. He got a practice one and he just, he looked like he could have made it from 57 and he, he does it again. I mean, can you believe that we had like kicking problems early on in the season, John? I think I'm, you know, I'm feeling really confident in our special teams uh, the rest of the way. You don't have to have leg in your last name to be all that special. Or Dicker. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. Ty Zentner. I mean, my gosh, I understand Kleiman wanted to take off all this, all the leverage of Ty Zentner when it came to this uh, kicking game and the punting game and the uh, uh, kickoff team uh, by putting Chris Tennant in there earlier this year. But I mean, we're just guaranteed to have a point with Ty Zentner where he can just launch 30 yard field goals, 40 yard field goals. Like it's no big pro like it's no big problem at all. I mean, it, it, it left it just completely left me satisfied he's like okay he's i mean if he's able to make a 46 yard attempt he should be possibly able to make a 52 yard attempt and that one was it 52 i think 53, it was 53 but yeah <laughs> i mean he just i mean he just kicked it in there like it was nothing uh just straight pure uh that i mean once when he kicked that i knew for sure it was gonna go in i mean it that's just the amount of confidence i have now in a kicking kicking situation um and i'm just happy to the point where it's no longer being a, a major uh problem we have to point out uh like like it was early in the year yeah, and then when it comes to punt returns, well, there's just not a lot to talk about. There were three punts in this entire game. Um, the first one coming with one minute and 20 seconds left in the first half. It took us almost half an hour to see a punt, um, which just speaks to the the madness that was that entire first half. Um, so I guess we should talk about the defense now. Obviously, just played really poor. Josh Hayes got beat mm-hmm. twice against Sam James. I don't know if we were putting too much, you know, you talked about Bryce Ford Wheaton, if we were focusing too much on him, yeah. I don't really know what the problem was. You know, Kleiman said that we just weren't tackling well. I think that's definitely a fair statement, but if we are going to take some positives, John, I mean, got to talk about Brendan Mott had himself a great game, led the team in tackles with eight, had three sacks, um, was able to, you know, wreak some havoc against Garrett green and really kind of um, give this team, give this defense a boost when it really needed it. Yeah. I mean, we talked about last week in K-State's dominating performance defensively, giving up only three to Baylor. And I mean, really we were expecting not, not exactly the same type of result. Like we could have given up a touchdown or two, but I mean, not to the point where we're letting, uh, West Virginia's offense with Garrett Green and Sam James just absolutely go off on us in the first half. Um, but K-State, uh, K-State only surrendered 25 points in the first half. They only allowed one score in the second half. Um, and, uh, I mean, oh, dang it, I messed up. Uh, even with some of those first half miscues, they were just able to uh, bounce back up at, um the defensive end, Brandon Mott, he had three sacks. K-State had four total tackles for loss. Uh, Khalid Duke was credited with the only uh, lone quarterback hurry uh, in today's win. But K-State's defense did hold green to just 17 rushing yards uh, uh, on Saturday. Uh, entering the game, he displayed an impressive rushing ability with 212 yards uh, on the ground this season. So uh, especially in the second half, K-State really limited the running game of Garrett Green and some of the upper running backs for West Virginia. Um, probably after that that penalty uh, that fe- I believe Felix came in with the late hit, that pretty much uh, uh, that pretty much gave a spark on K-State's defense uh, pretty much throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, and I think a lot of that people have been attributing kind of our poor play to missing Kobe Savage. 
Um, and that yeah. is definitely true. Um, but we've still got a bunch of talented guys that can, mm-hmm. you know, pick up the slack. I mean, I think they just got to get, you know, guys like VJ Payne, Jacob Parrish in the secondary, just get some more snaps. I think this was an important game for them to just get some good game experience. And on top of that, not having a uh, sincere Mason for the rest of the game, probably, um, probably costed us a few possessions here and there as well. Yeah. And we won't know his um, possibility, you know, whether he'll be able to play next Saturday um, until Monday, at least probably I'll have to wait until climate's press conference on Tuesday. We hope to hear good news about that. Cause it would be really bad to lose another guy in the secondary right after we lose Kobe, but the defense, like you said, gets a lot better in the second half only gives up one score, you know, um, West Virginia drives down um, in that first uh, possession of the second half, but you bend but don't break. And, you know, you let Neil Brown make a stupid decision and put a kicker who's missed two extra points out there to try and kick a field goal and he misses it. So uh, you just, you just take what you're given. Um, I'm not really too concerned going forward again. Morgantown's just a, a weird place. Weird things happen. Weird place. It, <laughs> makes me, it makes me thankful that we're getting Cincinnati into the conference because at least some of those people in in the Northeast, at least they're a little more realistic. Morgantown is, it reminds me of a third world country at times. So uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're able to get out of there with a win out of uh, Morgantown, which to me it's closer to hell than it is to almost heaven. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't really say much else, um, but uh, nonetheless, you're eight and three. You you again. You finished the you finished the regular season four and one on the road in Big Twelve play. Uh, the only stink up was the TCU loss. You had a big lead in that one. Uh, you can't manage to pull that one back. Um, but if you are able to get it get uh, tick KU out to the woodshed this weekend, um, you're able to get that rematch against TCU. Well, the match matchup we all highly deserve at this point. <laughs> Yeah, could you well. ride it? Could you ride it any better? We're one game away from a trip to Arlington, and who's in our way? But those dirty Jayhawks mm-hmm. <laughs> from across from across the highway. And they, Bills- didn't, and they didn't do anything yesterday. They uh, didn't do anything. The one time where I was rooting for Kansas, the next thing you know, they just had to get ran up by Bijan, uh, and they gave up fifty-five points, like. Uh, you did that, and now they're going to. Now they're going to get it. Uh, they they they're gonna ask for every single part of it. Uh, when the when the next uh video when the next uh podcast comes out, you already know I'm gonna take many 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 shots towards KU my fans. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be some fun stuff that I have in store. Yeah, I mean we have to. It is possible for us to clinch a Big Twelve championship. Um, before we even play KU, um, because mm-hmm. Texas plays Baylor on Friday, and if Texas Not loses, Friday. then we're in. But like, I mean, who cares? Like, we, I don't. It doesn't matter what the stakes are. We got to beat KU, John. I, I said, I don't ahead. care. I don't care if Texas beats Baylor by ninety or not by ninety. I just want to beat the absolutely dog crap out of Kansas. Yeah. Uh, I want to. I just want to, at this point, take control of the state, take control of the KC Metro when it comes to recruiting, so as I can talk all kind of smack I can to the KU Missouri <laughs> fans, uh, and maybe the Nebraska fans to a lesser extent. Uh, but I'm I'm ready, man. Uh, we we 
can get all the road games out of the way. We have our sights set on on KU this week. Hopefully, we're not overlooking them because uh, we. I we, highly doubt I mean, it. This is this is a much better KU team uh, than we've seen before. They're gonna have their they're gonna give us their best shot. We're gonna we hopefully we'll be able uh, to give KU our best as well. Yeah, I, and I'd imagine we would. That is uh, most definitely true. John, we got to get that streak to 14 so it can be old enough to get its learner's permit. Okay. So it can be able to go where it wants. I know. Um, <laughs> our baby, our so little fast. baby streak against KU just, he's grows up. He's grown up so fast. It grows up so fast. Oh you know, God. and then I'm shedding, I'm shedding it here. <laughs> it, he's, it's, <laughs> listen, he's going to get his learner's permit. He's going to go to, he's going to be a freshman in high school. I mean, it's, <laughs> It's really been through it all with us. Our little it, he's been he's been through it with us all. I mean, we we like to talk about uh his his friend the thirty one winning streak by Nebraska over us. Uh, he's lived a good life. He's, <laughs> he's now gone. Uh, now we hopefully we can keep a fourteen game winning streak. We also got uh, a long we got a long streak going as well with Texas Tech. Hopefully he shapes up to be a great man as well. <laughs> uh, but we we got to focus on uh we got to get focus on street number fourteen getting going going to college uh here we we we're gonna have to pay some big bucks here pretty pretty soon yeah I mean he's gonna go to prom hopefully he gets gets to go to prom and you know get his full driver's license get his lead, senior photos taken but you know we to, lead the team to a high school state championship <laughs> yeah we got we're a few years away from that but let's just get him to high school get his learning permit so we can start you know right. learning the ropes um john we've kind yeah, of we can all we can all dream blake we can <laughs> all dream. and i think that dream will uh could easily become a reality in the future but we will see um john we've talked a little bit about some of the games around the big 12 but let's take a quick break and then we'll do a official a recap of all the other games that happened around the Big 12. Do some K-State volleyball and women's basketball as well. And we're back here to go around the Big 12, do some K-State volleyball, women's basketball, talk a little men's basketball as well. They're in the Cayman Islands right now. Put in a great video of them going jet skiing. So it looks like they're they're having a great time over there in that warm weather. I'm very jealous of them. But I'm anyway, we're in the frozen tundra. Yeah, it wasn't that bad today. The sun was out yeah, in the fifties, but still, I mean, yeah. woo. Really? I have a beach near you. I can't even imagine. Lucky, anyway, lucky. There's no beaches in Ames, Iowa, just a bridge and pain. Um, Texas tech no, beating just, just laughter. <laughs> Texas tech beating Iowa state, uh, 14 to 10 Iowa state. 422 yards of offense. They outgained Texas Tech by like 160 yards. Hunter Deckers threw for almost 300 yards. And they dominated the time of possession, 36 minutes. And I mean, Matt Campbell, he just, you know, he found, he found a way to lose. Oh my gosh. Uh, if you've been watching Iowa State play the entire season, which I have not, Iowa State's been an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, it's offensive. I mean, even calling it a dumpster fire at this point is a, is offensive to both dumpsters and fires at the same time. Uh, 
but you know that rarely Iowa State's going to take advantage of opportunities, and particularly once again on the kicking team. I mean, uh, their top kicker, Jace Gilbert, he I believe he was benched. Drake Nettles got the nod. He went one for three on his field goal attempts uh, and missed the key kick before the first half ended. So six points were left off of more from a kicking game alone, and I can't forget about the two horrendous offensive drives in the third quarter in which they were able to get down to the goal line two consecutive times, two consecutive times as well, and they managed to, uh, they, they just can't manage to convert on fourth and goal. Twice. At, at, at like the one or two yard line. How do you not, uh, uh, that, okay, it's like, it's it's one thing doing it like one possession, but two possessions, like, they ran three straight plays up the gut and got stuffed on every one of them. Kudos to Texas Tech, by the way. They're playing a lot of better, a lot much better defense. I'm not going to try and take out anything away from them. Um, but the uh, Iowa State's is, offense is just flat out pathetic and embarrassing to watch. This is the reason why they're not going to be contending for a bowl game this season. Uh, there's going to be some talk to uh, come to Jesus meetings. Uh, late this year uh, at the offensive coordinating position, maybe even the head coaching position because if Tom Manning, uh, their offensive coordinator, doesn't doesn't work out, uh, if he's staying for another year, it might time to consider putting Matt Campbell on the hot seat uh, because Iowa State – I mean, it, oh, and by the way, you, you had two – Iowa State had one timeout with two minutes left, and Matt Campbell doesn't call a timeout at all. <laughs> He does not call a timeout at all. And he just lets Texas well, no, he called a timeout, but it was like with 35 seconds left. So all Texas Tech had to do was take a knee and just walk out of aims of a win. I mean, that was a massive coaching blunder. <laughs> I saw like I saw some of it some of it late, but oh my gosh, Iowa State sucks. Their defense deserves much better than this. Uh, Texas Tech hitting end of this one, they lost. Well, hitting before the Kansas game, they lost four out of five. I mean, they were four and five. Uh, next thing you know, they beat Kansas and Lawrence, and they beat Iowa State and Ames. That's that's a big win. Now they're bowl eligible. Uh, under Joey McGuire, first year head coach. Um, I mean, give give all the respect to the world. Uh, to, especially to the first first year head coaches who are taking their team to teams to greater heights uh, compared to, to where they were uh, a year before. So kudos to Texas Tech and Joy McGuire uh, and Iowa State just completely can, and just continues to be more and more and more mediocre to the college football world. Uh, it seems as if a Fiesta Bowl wasn't as uh, pretty, pretty long to remember at this point for all those idiot Cyclone fans who <laughs> trolling me on twitter uh next thing you know uh you're 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 fooling yourselves and all that's and all that stuff and it makes me laugh so much anyways uh well while, while we we can continue on the next one but iowa state is not going bowling this year and it just makes me so happy to see <laughs> yeah we'll see what happens with matt campbell in the future now you mean you mentioned the red raiders are bowl eligible now the bowl eligibility of the big 12 has been set um, in part because of this next game. We're going to talk about Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. Um, it's, it really was, I said it was bedlam. Like we've never seen it on Friday. It really was bedlam. Like we've never seen it. 
um, on Saturday. Uh, 28-13, Oklahoma gets the win over Oklahoma State. They become bowl eligible. So, um, you know, I think we can all say it was a consensus, extremely successful season for Brent Venables, and he met expectations beautifully. But let's <laughs> let, let's talk about this game, John. Spencer Sanders, um, we talked about how, you know, he is pretty much their entire team. And he really was, he threw 67 pass attempts um, for, let me pull it up here. He had about 420 yards of total offense and Oklahoma state had about 486 yards of total offense. So he was about like 90% of their team's offense Um, passed for 381 was their leading rusher with 42 yards, uh, which says a lot about this game. Um, Yeah. I mean, 36 of 67 with four interceptions. It's just, I mean, absolutely crazy. This game was 28 to nothing at one point. This game was over before it even started. Um, Oklahoma, you know, played lights out this game. Um, Eric Gray had 90 yards and a tutty. Um, so Oklahoma's bowl eligible. Uh, congrats to them. Oklahoma State is falling apart right in front of our eyes. I mean, Oklahoma couldn't have asked uh, for a better start than what they were anticipating. They scored touchdowns on the first two drives of the first out uh, of the first four drives. I mean, they opened the game up with a six-play, seventy-five-yard drive, uh, ending in a Dylan Gabriel two-yard touchdown, and then pretty much after that, Oklahoma just completely just r- racked him up. Uh, took them to the wall and sh- shoved them. I mean, from the, the the route was just completely on. They took a twenty three to I mean twenty eight to three lead into the locker room, in which you would expect for for a team who was up twenty eight to three would typically choke in those type of situations, and which Oklahoma kind of did uh, late late uh, late in the contest. Uh, Oklahoma State was in Sooner territory. It was twenty eight to thirteen. Uh, but Spencer Sanders froze another uh, pick. I mean, Oklahoma State has just, wow, they have just completely collapsed. Mike Gundy falls to 3-15 and 15 in his career against Oklahoma. I mean, he has three wins over Oklahoma in 18 years, while Chris Kleiman has three wins over Oklahoma in his last four years. Uh, Mike Gundy is 153-58 and 58 against everyone else in college football as the head coach, and I mean, he. I mean, what he's done for Oklahoma State as as should never be understated or underappreciated. I mean, he is Oklahoma State football. Uh, but my gosh, I mean, the, the one can't be one can be grateful for all his accomplishments and still be bothered by the just continued letdowns against not only their just their in-state rivals, but especially late in late in the year, like the K-State game. They had no answers for, for for the almighty Will Howard. Uh and then they lose to they get drubbed by Kansas as well. Uh didn't look all that good against Iowa State either. I mean, uh there's some serious questions, especially with Casey Dunn. I heard there's a lot of smoke uh occurring with Oklahoma State and I believe Casey Dunn, in which I think they're, they're, that's another offensive coordinator that could be on the hot seat as well. Derek Mason as well. I did not like the hire defensive coordinator who comes in from Auburn uh he he, I I don't think he's gonna last at Oklahoma State for a while but uh on the Oklahoma side I mean talk about a 
gigantic bounce back. I mean, you lose to West Virginia the week before. I mean, a terrible West Virginia team. And next thing you know, you just come in and smack your rival Oklahoma State, and now you're bowl eligible. Uh, I mean, we can make all the fun and jokes we want about Oklahoma finally getting to six wins at this point, but uh, they look, that was probably one of their better performances uh, this season, uh, without a doubt, especially when you when you go up 28-3 to three on your rival. Uh, you, you aren't looking back at, the, at that point. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, and all, all the, you know, the madness that has come with this season for Oklahoma, still beating Oklahoma State is still a win. You're still going to go to a bowl game, so at least you can have that to look forward to with some postseason football. Now, I mean, we talked about how getting off to a 28 to nothing start is bad. Um, KU looked at 28 nothing and said, hold my beer. How about 41 to zero in this KU Texas game? Uh, Texas wins 55 to 14. Um, like I said, it was 41 nothing um, at one point in this game. And then, you know, KU got some garbage time touchdowns. Um, B. John Robinson, 243 yards, four touchdowns. My and, God. The, and then they had another 100 yard rusher. Just, I mean, unbelievable. You know, I mean, good for KU putting up 14 points in front of four people that were probably left at that stadium. Um, near the end of that game, just, I mean, they, I think they had like 427 rushing yards, 427 rushing yards. Like just, I mean, absolutely. (laughs) They just got absolutely ran over on senior day on their home field. I mean, Kansas looked like uh, a complete shell of a team that started five and oh, uh, early on the season, but lack of the lack of progress in all aspects of well any of uh late in the season and this game in particular was just completely dis- disappointing I and mean, for a Kansas team that was celebrating a, a big senior day in which and they had a, a chance to honor their class who's taking them taking KU to possibly the best season in a long time and what could have and what better way could it they they have done it than playing against uh their their what was her daddy at the time, their son at the time, Texas. Um, but Bijan Robinson, jeez, Bijan Robinson, after the first half and consisted of 172 yards on 19 carries, results in three touchdowns. I mean, he just continues to run up Kansas's throats. Uh, he took his 22nd carry of the game, 31 yards uh, for his fourth touchdown of a day. Um, Sarkeesian took him out of the game. Oh, late. He ended it. He ended the day with 243 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he just. I mean, he just has something when it comes to running up on Kansas teams. I don't know what it is, but he is just absolutely. He, he's a monster. I'm. I'm expecting uh, a high first round draft pick um, from any NFL team this season. Uh, and then you gotta look at uh, the Kansas perspective as well with Jalen Daniels. I mean, after being sidelined to an injury for for a while, uh, Jalen Daniels did not look like the the Jalen Daniels Kansas had for the first five weeks of the season uh, when he led KU to that 5-0 start. Um, I mean, despite having the ability to make plays with his legs, uh, he held back that that part of the game and which was likely to preserve some of his health. I mean, it, it clearly affected the offense 
and Kansas's ability to put anything together. And then on top of that, you weren't able to get Jason Bean into the game because he was injured at the end of a uh, Texas Tech game last week as well. So, I mean, it just did not work out for KU on senior day. But Texas keeps their Big 12 title hopes alive. All we got to do is hope for uh, get a win on Black Friday, which they always play on Black Fridays for whatever reason. They play Baylor uh, on Friday, and then they had to hope for KU to uh get a divine intervention uh against k-state uh as well i mean which which isn't gonna happen by the ways uh yeah it's it's tough it's a tough position for texas fans to be in where you have to trust ku the team that you just absolutely mollywopped 55 to 14 you need to trust them to go and beat the second best team in the big 12 who's coming off a pretty somewhat dominant win over West Virginia and are obviously motivated. It's at home. It's a rivalry game for K-State and, you know, Arlington is on the line. So yeah, unfortunately for Texas, it's, um, it's not looking great for them, but you know, they'll have fun at like the cheese at bowl. Maybe they'll go to the cotton bowl. I don't know. You know, they'll go to a decent bowl game and have some fun. So um, now let's, let's talk about the game of the day in the big 12. TCU Baylor. Um, you know, one of the craziest finishes you'll see in college football. Um, TCU is down 28, 26. There's 22 seconds left on the clock. It's third and seven. A Mary DiMarcato runs the ball to the center for two yards. And so now there's 16 seconds left. They have no timeouts. It's fourth down. So you can't spike the ball. Your only option is to rush out the special teams to kick a field goal. And they do it in under 10 seconds. They get everybody out onto the field and their kicker and their entire special teams. They kick the field goal. I think it was a 40 yarder to win the game as time expires. It's just, what was, <laughs> what was even funnier is during the, uh, during the post game when Sony tights was interviewing Fox, uh, he claimed, uh, he claimed that they were practicing it and it looks more frantic than it is. Uh, wow. and Max, Duggan, Max Duggan added to that. We practice that all the time. It's like brushing our teeth. <laughs> Um, I mean, that just tells you how well coached uh, this TCU squad is having the I mean, having the having given giving the players the uh, trust and accountability to run. I mean, just run while there. Yeah, no timeouts left. Uh, You are far from getting a first down. Uh, You run only two yards and then you just completely get your team off the field. Well, get the offense off the field, bring in your kicker. I mean, and he just just kicks it like it's no big problem. I mean, we talked about Ty Zentner's kicks. I mean, that the, the kick the TCU guy had was just straight pure. It was insane. But nonetheless, this was a, another great game. TCU just continues to find ways to do it. I don't know how they – I don't – I mean, I don't know how. I mean, they just you – know, they, they're down late, late in some of these games, uh, and they were down – uh, during the first half, so as well, and they just always bounce back. I mean, no matter how much adversity they face, they just they just able to bounce back. I mean, the their offense knows what to do in order to win this game. Their defense makes the biggest stops uh, for in order for them to get the biggest chances. I mean, Baylor's rushing attack nearly won the game, um, but TCU just held them late. Uh, and the next thing you know, Max Duggan. Just decides to complete more passes. Kendra Miller just decides to just run it up. And TCU 
but this is the first time in the college football playoff era a Big 12 team has started 11-0. and And it's not Oklahoma who's done it. It's not Texas who's done it. It's TCU. It's TCU all teams. It's not a big brand. It's the almighty TCU Horn Frogs, and uh, which we we get a laugh at all the media now who who all thinks Tennessee is, but but is more deservingly so more than TCU in terms of getting into the playoff. Uh, I'm sure they're feeling real great about that argument now. Uh, I mean Baylor had a good game as well. I mean definitely better than uh last week as well uh i mean uh squirrel williams he had more rushing yards uh on his first drive uh than bajon robinson had all week uh which he only had 29 um but baylor finished with 232 rushing yards on 46 carries that's five that's five yards per carry uh, an average um but baylor did not finish wrong they tried to run out the clock late it didn't work and tcu just decides to do tcu things and give us a thrilling, thrilling ending, like always. Yeah, I mean, they're down 28-20. They get the ball. They go three and out. And, I mean, so Baylor's in a position to really seal this thing with 8.40 left in the fourth. They get the ball up eight with a Baylor with a chance to, you know, make it a two-possession game. But they go three and out. TCU scores, but they don't get the two-point conversion. They could have gotten it, just a, Max Duggan misses a pass. And then Baylor gets the ball back. They th- freaking three and out. And then we obviously get all the madness that ensues at the end. It leads to a game-winning field goal for TCU to go 11-0. Now, John, I'm going to go. I'm just going to say it. The fact, I don't know, th- the fact that they practice that is a waste of practice right. time. It's completely idiotic. I don't know why you would ever. It seems it's pointlessly risky when it is so easy to avoid that situation. I. It's just so unbelievably stupid in my mind. That first of all, if you know that you want to do this, then why not just run it on first down and then run the clock out and then spike it near the end? Then you can get your special teams out and kick the field goal. Well, here's the thing. You I mean, we mentioned that they've practiced on it. They practice on it many times. So they're accustomed to that type of situation. I mean, and in, in the late in the Baylor game. I mean, it, it spoke no different. I mean, it was just completely Yeah, but I can practice painting up. with my I mean, feet, I, I, but I, I can just practice painting with my I, hands, and it's way easier. I, I agree. But the way TCU, I mean, they should have definitely uh, had the had that drive a little more clear and concise from the beginning. Um, but, I mean, I'm just, I'm just staying for the fact that TCU has done it before. So, I mean, e- even if it wasn't, like the best idea to do it. I mean, they were still, they still knew like they, they can still manage to pull this off and win this game as, as well. So uh, I, I do agree with you. Like it, it's still a dumb decision uh, to, to not spike the ball at any point. Uh, but I don't know that's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you have, if you have the amount of practice on it already, you already know what kind of situation you're in uh, when, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, they did. I think they ran the ball and then they spiked it on second down. But if you know, if you're going to reverse engineer this and know that this is what you want to do, you want to run that, you don't want to try and score a touchdown. You just want to run down the clock, kick a field goal. And you know, you want to try and center it up for your kicker, just center it up on first down, run the clock, spike it. But I mean, you know, whatever. So they're 11 and 0, and I'm just a guy 
in a very dirty apartment. So, um, you know, whatever. I just I think it's really stupid. And I just I don't understand why you would practice that when there's so many there's just a way more practical and safe in a consistent way that will work almost every time. But, you know, I mean, it's a thrilling win. Um, who do they have for their last game again? Iowa, they have Iowa State. Um, so yeah. that, I mean, Iowa State's going to give them a, a battle um, no matter what the score is because it's Iowa State. So uh, we'll see what happens there. We're kind of rooting for them to win just so we can be guaranteed the LS, or the Sugar Bowl, mm-hmm. um, you know, no matter what happens in the Big 12 championship. So, you know, but whatever, we can't control what they do, but it should be interesting. Because if TCU beats Iowa State, they're going to be undefeated. So if they beat K-State, they're going to be in the playoff. The Sugar Bowl is going to need a Big 12 representative, and we're the second-best team, so we'll fill in that slot. And if both teams still remain undefeated, and if K-State beats TCU, well, TCU's out, K-State's won the Big 12, uh, they're going to be the top Big 12 representative. They're going to go to the Sugar Bowl. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of pulling for TCU in this one. Uh, mainly from a Sugar Bowl perspective as well. Uh, I mean, I understand you still got to be KU. Uh, it is what it is, but uh, I still, I, I, I just want to go down to New Orleans, man. I mean, it just sounds like a fun trip, and I mean, we got we to gotta pull for the Frogs uh, as well if we want to get that opportunity as well. So uh, we got two more weeks. We got two more weeks, and everything will be decided. Uh, where will we be uh, playing? Uh, yeah, man, yeah. I, I had no idea where I was going with that one. <laughs> I just kind of froze, but uh, yeah, you get you get you get the that, idea. That's that's the signal to make a segue. Yeah, we're not a hundred percent sure who will play. It's looking like LSU, maybe Tennessee after they've lost. Um, but we'll see. Um, so let's go ahead and pivot here. Talk a little K State sports before we get out of here. Let's start with volleyball. They played on Saturday. Um, they lost three sets to one to TCU in Fort Worth. Um, the one set they did win was dominant, 25 to 14. Um, every other set was really close, um, but TCU was able to pull out the other three sets for the win in spite of a day where two K-State players have career highs. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, you know, Fern Holes collected a career high 14 kills. Boulding recorded a uh, career best 10 blocks, uh, but K-State just cannot stop TCU at times. I mean, this TCU's team is a lot better than what we've seen over the past few years. Um, there there were a few positives after this one uh, when it came to the higher hitting efficiency. They had more kills, uh, more blocks than TCU as well, but at the end, uh, it just wasn't the overall best performance. I mean, they just have to find more opportunities to tie more points together, manage the momentum better, and be two points better uh, as well. Uh, my my dad coaches on the team. He he always points out you got to be two points better than the team uh, when it comes to these tight uh, tight set situations. And for the most part, K State's in those sets, but they just aren't able to capitalize, which is a little bit disappointing. Yeah, and I mean in terms of you know wanting to try, you know, finish the season strong, first of all, but also possibly uh, make the tournament. Those are obviously dwindling the 14 and 13 now, five and nine in conference play. Um, They're going to stay busy over Thanksgiving break. They've got Texas Tech at home on senior night, and then they travel to Waco 
the following Saturday, the 26th, to finish out their season. So hopefully they can finish the season strong um, and get a couple of wins. Let's talk some women's basketball real quick. Obviously, um, they had the Germanic win over Iowa, but they had to bounce back the very next day and play UTRGV, and they they played really strong, 70-45 to 45 win. Um, it was going on as we were doing our show, so we didn't really get to talk about it. Um, I don't know if there's anything really to add. Um, well, it, they beat Utah Tech today. Yes, they beat Utah Tech today as well, um, which is a really kind of a weird game. I mean, we were super hot in the first half. Um, you know, put up 31 points in the first quarter, had 54 at halftime. We're on pace to, you know, put up uh, over 100 points. It was, but it, yeah, a 20 point lead at halftime. And, uh, it, Utah Tech made um, made some serious runs, especially uh, when it came to the three point shooting as well. I I, I don't know if it was uh, either them just kind of heating up late, or if it was just K State kind of getting gassed uh, gassed in the some of the bigger moments as well. But uh, they were able to get out of there. I mean it, it it's been a it's been a rough week already for the for the girls. I mean you you have three games in, in the last four days. I mean it's just incredibly exhausting I'd imagine uh, as a as a student athlete or 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 a basketball player. Yeah, I I think that's kind of what it was. The defense was not great in the second half. I think the fatigue was just getting to us. Um, because we just played so exceptionally well. Gabby Gregory, I mean, the first half, she was just dynamite. I don't know what her stats were in the first half. Her shooting numbers don't look great. You know, 6 of 14 from 3, but she was so hot in the first half. She was hitting NBA threes. She finished with 26 points um, and uh, 3 assists. But, I mean, you know, you just take the win, get a few days off before you head to the Virgin Islands. Well, Gregory, she tied a school record for points in in a first quarter with 16, uh, and she set a school record for three point field goals uh, made in the first corner with uh, with four out of a five uh, effort from long range as well. I mean, she just continues uh, to be the force that K State needs offensively. Uh, Jalen Glenn also had herself uh, a big day as well, reaching double digits as well. Uh, uh, and then you also got uh, Serena Denson. Oh, I got the stats right here. Uh, Jalen Glenn, uh, she had 18 points. Uh, Serena Sundell, she had 17. I believe Jalen Glenn, she also had, I want to say, maybe eight rebounds. Yeah, she uh, did. She had eight rebounds. Yeah, I was I was looking at stats broadcast earlier. Oh. Uh, uh, and then uh, I just had to remember then. The K-State website, uh, with, all, with all of its best stories and all that they do not it's not the best when it comes to showing the stats uh when when i just want to get to the nitty-gritty of it uh just looking at everything but i i digress uh big win another big win for k-state women's basketball they play at clemson on thursday down in the virgin islands uh so uh we'll see how the cats are able to uh handle things across the across the pond to another island yeah, one thing I do want to shout out, Eliza Maupin, 12 points, 10 boards. Oh, I think yeah. she played really well, get a double-double. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of somebody we'd like to see step up and you know uh, be another kind of force um, to this K-State offense as well. I mean, yeah, you mentioned we're playing on Thanksgiving in the Virgin Islands, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you get a few days off, and then it's three three days in a row. Um, luckily, they're on ESPN+. Plus. 
unlike the um, K-State men's basketball team, it's going to be on freaking flow sports. But whatever, at least you'll be able to watch the women's basketball team those three days. And then they get a nice little break before they play Houston at home all the way on December 4th. Um, nothing to recap for men's basketball in terms of games they played. We talked about their win against Kansas City. Played Rhode Island tomorrow in the Cayman Islands. Uh, you know, mentioned they're having fun jet skiing. So hopefully they can lock in, you know, start, you know, Jerome Tang has said it, you know, the hardest um, game to win at a tournament is the first one. So just got to get out there, you know, set a tone. Yeah, and really, uh, especially with K-State having some of the preseason tournament woes that they had, uh, woes that they had um, throughout the um, uh, throughout the past few years, it's you you'd like to see a win uh, from this team eventually. I believe K State's zero and four in the last last two appearances. Uh, I believe two years ago, they were in the Fort Myers tip off lost to uh, uh, Bradley and Northwestern. I want to say or or Pittsburgh, uh, one one of those two of those three teams, and then. Uh, last year, you lose to Arkansas and Illinois as well. So, a uh, big opportunity right here. Rhode Island has not looked all that impressive. We lost early on in the season to Quinnipiac, 67-62. Then um, you lose to Texas State, 70-66. to So, not the best start for, um, I want to say, Archie Miller. I think he coaches for Rhode Island now. Um, but not too big, good of a start for Rhode Island. Um but you get but you get K State early on. But winner of this one gets Nevada and our good old friends from New Orleans. I keep saying good old friends because we need their football team uh, to just to keep on winning to make us look impressive. Uh, but we get two uh, the winner of Nevada and Tulane. So uh, or the loser of Nevada and Tulane as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure the players are thrilled to be down there. Uh, I believe Luke Luke Kazupki and Joe Petrakis is down there as well for Illinois State. So a little bit of a uh, old player reunion of some sorts of Marquise Noel, Ishmasud, and Kazupki down there as well, which I found a little bit interesting. But um, K State should be able to win this matchup. We'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, it's it's a first game. It's 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 really. I don't want to say I I, I want to say Cal was the first test of the season, but there, Cal is just terrible. I mean, they've lost to UC San Diego, Southern University, uh, the maybe HBCU school, Southern. Um, so I mean, I don't know if I want to take Cal as in too much of a consideration as a big win. Um, Rhode Island just pretty much with some of the success they had over the past few years already. I think this would be a big win for Jerome Ting and company. Yeah, it'd be great to, you know, go to the Caymans and make a statement, get a few wins at a tournament. And yeah, get up, you know, actually play well against some teams that we know are decent. At least it'll be a good test. So again, a good weekend to be a Wildcat, John. And hopefully it'll be a good Thanksgiving break to be a Wildcat. Again, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Shaking Lake 75, little review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'll be back Wednesday to preview KU and uh, recap some uh, men's basketball as well. So uh, until next time, Cats by 90. Cats by 90. Ema. Ema.